I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric at home of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. Jay Morrison covers the Bengals for The Athletic, and he is my guest today. Jay, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Great. Thanks for coming on today. Uh, I was curious. My, uh, my dad and his side of the family are all from Ohio. Uh, I'm curious where the line splits. Who's watching Bengals games and who's watching Browns game? How, how does that end up working there? Um, I guess it kind of depends on which team's playing better. Uh, you you have the, the the main thing is that the market in Columbus is the one that has the the way to go either way in terms of uh, the the CBS affiliate. If both teams are on CBS, they pick which game to air and kind of force the. The, the the residents there to pick if if you're going strictly by fan base i i think cleveland still has an edge i think cincinnati's made some inroads in that especially earlier in this decade when they went to the playoffs five years in a row but um columbus is still more of a a cincinnati town or a columbus a cleveland town you get over in the eastern side of the state and there's a lot of pittsburgh fans over there um, Dayton was always a big Cleveland town because, you know, for so many years, the Bengals didn't even exist and those loyalties just stayed in place. But as the Bengals started getting more and more entrenched and younger people got older, I, I think Cincinnati's won over the Dayton market. Um, but it's, it's still, it's a, it's a fairly split state, uh, just depending on which city you're looking at. It feels like you know, we always went up um, to the Chillicothe area for Thanksgiving, where his mom lived. It felt like we were either getting chased in or chased out by a snowstorm. Is it starting to get cold up there now? Um, we got down to 22 last night in Cincinnati. That was the that was the coldest it's been yet. But supposed to be back up in the mid 60s tomorrow and Friday. So uh, not we're not quite into winter yet, which is fine by me. Yeah, it's been an odd year for throughout for that. Uh, Jay, how's the injuries looked for uh, Cincinnati so far this year? Um, it's been a rough go. They've they've had problems on the offensive line. Um, they they lost their starting right guard Xavier Suafilo, who was one of their one of their uh, free agents in the biggest free agent class in, in franchise history. They lost him in the opener. Uh, Joe Mixon has missed the last three games with a foot injury, which has really kind of hampered that offense. Um, the starting left tackle, Jonah Williams, their number one pick in 2019, who missed the entire 2019 season due to a labrum injury. He's missed the last two games with a neck stinger. Uh, starting right tackle, Bobby Hart, has missed the last two games with a knee injury. Um, I, I think Jonah is going to be good to go this week against Washington. Not sure about Bobby Hart. Um, and, and then they've they've just they've had guys. DJ Reader was the prized piece of that free agent class. Mm-hmm. He, they lost him in week five. Um, they they lost a bunch of defensive linemen uh, before the season even started. One failed a physical and they cut him. One opted out. One suffered a um, season-ending injury like two days into training camp. That the defensive line has has been really a hard-hit position, and now it's cornerback. Um, they've got. Uh, one starting cornerback on IR and Darius Phillips, his backup, LaShawn Sims, came down with a concussion in practice last week, missed last week's game. Um, they have Trey Waynes, another one of the free agents, has missed the entire season with a, a, a pec injury that he he's 
coming back soon. He won't be back this week. Um, and then they had a couple uh, corner backup cornerbacks get COVID last week. So it's they've been pretty hard hit by the the injury slash illness bug this year. They tried to fix some of the D-line problems with Tack McKinley. We won't spend too much time on him since they let him go. Do we know why he didn't pass his physical? No, we don't. Um, maybe get some more clarity on that when we talk to Zach today. His his press conference is coming up at um, at one forty five. Um, it's it's curious. I mean he he was not he was on the street for you know a little over a week. It's it's hard to imagine a guy getting be it being an out of shape type of thing. It had to have been some sort of underlying injury that either he wasn't aware with or he was he was hoping to fight through. But yeah, big blow because he really could have helped this team. Would have been a, a low risk, high reward signing um because they, they do desperately need help on that defensive line. But it's it's just been that kind of year for this team. Yeah. I was thinking guys like Geno Atkins have to be fairly close in age to the new head coach, Zach Taylor. Uh, how has he been? This is his second year, right? How, how have the guys taken to such a young head coach? Um, yes, it was it, there. There was a, a faction of the locker room that didn't really buy in. And, and that's kind of been Zach's mission um, since last year is to weed some of those guys out. And we saw it big time with Carlos Dunlap. Um, the, the frustration just built and built and Carlos forced his way out with some social media posts and some other sideline antics. Um, Zach is, has spoken glowingly about AJ green and his effort. And, and he is at the beginning of the year, people kind of assumed that, that Gino Atkins and Carlos Dunlap were in this same boat. And, and Zach made it clear that, that Gino is not Gino's just, he's been dealing with an injury. Um, now he's dealing with a, a family issue that caused him to miss last week's game, but he should be back this week. Um, the, the, the vast majority of the veterans were really impressed. Like in, in, if you ever sat down and talked to Zach Taylor, you would be as well. You could see why they hired him despite the thin resume because he just he's just got this persona about him. Um, he, he just he's he, he really he's super smart and he draws you in and he makes you believe what he believes. And he he won over that locker room pretty early last year. And we saw it. I mean, they started 0 and 11 and they were still playing hard and fighting hard at the end of the season. They had they had eight games eight of their 14 losses were by one possession or less. It was, it was impressive to see. It's not what the fans want to hear that all oh, they're trying hard. Or you're supposed to try hard, but when you're, when you have a rookie head coach in that situation where the, the season goes that far South, I think that said a lot about the respect he had inside the locker room that the team was still playing hard down the stretch. Cincinnati has generally been patient with the uh, head coaches. What will be the leash that he gets? Yeah, I, I think he's going to get a fairly long leash. It, he's already got two wins this year, which matches last year, so it's not going to be a backslide. Um, that he, he does need to make some sort of progress in this second half of the season, and he is set up to do that. It's you know they're they're playing a Washington team that has a worse record than they do, and then after that they play the Giants, and then they've got the Cowboys. Um, they've got a game against Houston that only has two wins. They they've got four four games on the schedule in these final seven that you would consider winnable that they are, they would either be pick them or maybe even they might be favored in these games. Um, he needs to win at least two of those, if not three. 
and you know maybe pull an upset. They're, they've still got Pittsburgh at home. They've got Baltimore at home. Those are two teams that those are the two games that they just actually absolutely were not competitive in um, this year. And they need if they can if they can pull off one of those wins and win some of these winnable games against the teams with losing records, and he can get up in that just that four, five, even six, six win range. He'll, he'll be safe. He'll get another year. Uh, Mike Brown is not one to pay somebody to not work. So it would have to go terribly bad over these final seven games for them to make a change. Getting an opportunity to run through the NFC East is a good thing for any <laughs> team looking for wins. I can I can tell you that. Uh, Jay, were you surprised that the team held on to A.J. Green and John Ross at the trade deadline? Uh, no, because I don't think there was a market for either one of them. Um John Ross has, has been the personification of a bust. It's just never worked out here. He never meshed with the old coaching staff and he hasn't done it with the new coaching staff. And if it's, if it's one staff, then you have to wonder maybe is it the players at the coach when it's two coaching staffs that can't get anything out of him, Then you start realizing that, Hey, there, there's something going on with the player here. Um, AJ Green, I was not surprised. He right before the, is as bad as he started this year, Right before the trade deadline, he he started producing. He had a couple pretty solid games, and it looked like he was turning the corner. And then last week, no catches, five targets, um, kind of back to what what things look like early in the season. But they they've they love AJ Green. The front office loves him, and he loves being in Cincinnati. He wants to retire a Bengal. Um, he he didn't throw. A, they put the franchise tag on him this year. He made it clear he didn't like it, but he wasn't going to hold out. He wasn't. He he, he understood business. Um, it, everybody, I think everybody was hoping that he was going to have a good year this year, and they would be able to sign him to a long term contract at the end of this year because he is a free agent at the end of this year, and and let him retire a Bengal. But it just it, the writing's on the wall now. That's not going to happen. Not only is he not going to sign. Not only is he not going to retire as a Bengal, he's not going to sign a big contract. Um, you know, unless something crazy happens and he has this huge second half of the season, which I don't foresee the way he's playing right now, um, he, he's he's going to have a, a, a very soft market this offseason and, and when free agency opens. As a lifetime Bulldog fan, uh, nobody better than A.J. Green, the person. Is injuries what's derailing his career a little bit now? Uh, yeah, absolutely. A- injuries and age. I mean, he's 32 yeah. and he, right. he, he missed the last year and a half. And that's what that's what I think everybody was looking at at the, the early part of the season is, look, this guy's he hasn't played football in almost two years. He didn't have an offseason. He didn't have a preseason. He's going to need some time to get up to speed. He's got a new quarterback he's trying to develop chemistry with. But you know, we're going into week 11. That that excuse doesn't fly anymore. He he is noticeably slower, and he's still terrific with with his hands and with that big body to kind of box people out. He can be a receiver that doesn't have to have great separation and and, and make tough contested catches. But it's it's just not happening. He's he's getting almost no separation, and there's just some sort of disconnect between him and Joe Burrow where they they just. They just can't make it work, and not that not that it won't come along, but it's it's really surprising that it hasn't happened. Um, but yeah, at age thirty two, you know, rarely do do players find the fountain of youth and all of a sudden get better. I, I think we're starting to see the beginning of the end for AJ. And as far as John Ross, that's a preparation thing, or 
he just is fast and that's it. What 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 happened there that they missed on him like that? Uh, confidence, I think, is a big thing with John. Um, and it it was derailed early when he he had some injuries when he came in. He finally got on the field and his first NFL touch was a reverse and he fumbled it. Um, the 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 former coaching staff here, Marvin Lewis and his group, they. They didn't want John Ross. That was a front office decision to draft John Ross. So there was there was already that he was he was kind of behind the eight ball from the start. But he was just a guy that from from people I've talked to, he was just he was always unsure of what the play is, where he's supposed to be unsure in his own abilities. Um, he would have flashes and then something would go wrong and you would just see him. He's even admitted this. He gets inside his own head and kind of goes in the tank and he's he's just we saw it early this year he he didn't do much in the opener he had a couple ghastly plays in week two against cleveland and he's pretty much been on the bench since then i think he's been active for one game since then and he had one snap um he he is injured right now they I, the the cornerback issue that i mentioned last week uh with with the the covid and the close contact testing they they had their cornerbacks staying home from practice and they were using coaches and and they had John Ross play some cornerback and he suffered an, an ankle injury while doing that so he's on IR so he's definitely out three more games but it's just maybe if he goes somewhere else he can find a fresh start because when when he when he is right he's electric um but it's just it's it's rare that he's right, and and when things go wrong, he tends to to make them worse. Mixon got the big deal. I I feel like these running backs get the big deal, and then immediately the franchises regret giving them the big deal, even though you have to give these guys the big deal. What do you think Cincinnati thinks that they got in Joe Mixon? Um, I, there's no buyer's remorse yet. Um, the, the I asked the the de facto GM Duke Tobin about this, you know, back in the offseason about paying the running back and what his philosophy is, if that's changed over the years. And he was adamant that that we don't look at the position, we look at the person and we want Joe Mixon to be a part of this organization. They love everything about him from his his energy that he brings on the field and off the field, just his enthusiasm, his love of football. This is a it's a different team when he's going well. He he kind of puts everybody on his back and he gets everybody else fired up and and excited and it's you know they took a chance on him. He he had that that horrible incident, he had the baggage. They were the team that drafted him. I think he'll forever be in debt to them for that. And you know even last year when they were 0 and 11 and things are going wrong, it was like Joe Mixon you could tell was a guy that was proud to be a Bengal. And that wasn't necessarily the case throughout that locker room. So it's it's been a rough start for him, mainly because the offensive line hasn't been great, and then the, now the foot injury that's cost him the last three games. But I, I I don't think there's buyer's remorse yet. They they think he's one of the best backs in the league, and he can he can be an explosive big part of this offense. He's never going to be a. I don't think he's ever going to lead the league in rushing because that's not Zach Taylor's offense. They're gonna they're gonna let you're going to put everything on Joe Burrow's shoulders and they're going to let him throw the ball 40, 45 times a game. It's it's they've had to do it in some games and some games they haven't had to do it and they still do it. It's just, that's how they're at their best when Joe Burrow is throwing the football, but Joe Mixon can be a part of that passing game too. So I, I it'll be interesting to see. I, I would expect he was moving closer last week. I, I wouldn't be, we'll know more at practice today, but I think we're going to see him this week against Washington.
Okay, good. I was going to say that was my next question. He's a special player, there's no doubt, and I was curious about whether you thought he'd be ready uh, this week. Uh, well, Joe Burrow, uh, the, the, the franchise starts and begins with him for sure. What have they seen so far from the young quarterback? Yeah, they love everything that they've, they've seen and heard from him. He's he, he walked in and took command of this team right off the bat. Um, the, his teammates voted him a captain, which is incredibly rare for a rookie, even for a quarterback. You know, typically quarterbacks are captains, but for a rookie, um, that that was pretty surprising. He's he he has a total command of this offense. If you look around the league, uh, I'm not sure what what it's like in Washington with with Dwayne or Kyle or Alex if they're wearing the wristband with all the plays on it, but Joe Burrow does not have that. He's a rookie, and he has that entire playbook in his head, and he's just his recall from from things earlier in the season. Um, he he is just so, so smart, so sharp. You know, his dad was a defensive coordinator, and I think he really understands defensive concepts and football in general. And the the, the one knock on him so far is well, okay, two knocks on him. <clears throat> one is he, he's really struggled to hit anything deep. And part of that is John Ross not being a factor and A.J. Green not being a factor, but he's starting to develop a, a chemistry with T. Higgins down the field. They've they've had a 67-yarder and a 55-yarder in, in um, the last three weeks. The other thing with, with Joe is he's still kind of got that college mentality of I can run around in the backfield and I can make spin moves and juke defensive linemen and extend plays. And in some cases he has, and in some cases he's paid for it dearly he's taken some huge shots this year and he said he's never going to change that he's always going to try to extend plays but I, I think there's a limit to that I think there's there's rolling out and waiting for someone to get open and then at the last minute either throwing it out of bounds or, or running for a yard or two and then there's circling back and spinning away from defenders and taking the play the other way he's learned he can't do that but you know that's that's just if you're going to compare him to other rookie quarterbacks, he's it's been a plus. Just everything about him has been impressive. And one thing we've we've seen from him is this this uncanny ability to bounce back. No matter if it's the other team scoring a drive, scoring late in the fourth quarter, he leads the team right back down the field and scores. Or if it's third and seven and an offensive lineman false starts and now it's third and twelve, he gets the first down. Or if he drops a snap, he, he finds a way to pick it up and, and make a completion. Just anything that goes wrong, he has a, a tendency to to correct it almost immediately. And I, I think we're going to see a, a pretty big game because from him on Sunday because that was maybe his worst performance um, Sunday or yeah yeah Sunday in Pittsburgh. He was five of fifteen in the second half. It was just ugly, and he said it flat out in the post game press conference. He said, "I sucked." in the second half, and I'm not going to suck very often. So I think he's, you're going to see a, a fired-up guy to, to bounce back on Sunday. You know, I was, I was thinking while you were saying that about the notion of him not wearing the armband, and we have a little bit of experience with that, with that offense from the tree that Zach's from, and, and it's complicated and difficult, uh, and it's all predicated on things that, that look similar uh, so that that really is quite impressive that he's got the playbook down this early. Yeah, it really is. And well, my my partner on the beat, Paul Daner, did a story at the bye. He asked all the coaches that have uh, uh, 
worked closely with Joe from from the offense coordinator to the quarterback coach to the assistant head coach to the assistant quarterback coach to, to Zach, the head coach. And he asked them each to pick out their their three favorite plays um, that Joe had this season and just some of the detail they went into about um, one in particular. There was a, a, a play against Cleveland where they had run it in the first game of the year and the the Cleveland cornerbacks recognized it and and Joe saw them whisper to each other and he knew that they knew and he changed the play call and burned them for a big play and that was that was like a one second recognition and then a recall to six weeks earlier and it was just it was one that had all the coaches shaking their head that you know a, a kid seven games into his rookie season not only had that recall but but had had the awareness to notice the corner, the Cleveland cornerbacks whispering to each other and, and realizing what they were doing and encountering it. And there's, it's just, there's so many of those little stories like that, that have just left everybody in awe of what, what Joe Burrow's done this year. I was, uh, one of the questions I had on my notes here was both teams being at uh, two wins. What's the big difference? It sounds like for Cincinnati, it is, injuries this year and a defense that generally is lacking talent is that fair yeah i would put three of the losses on the defense and three on the offense um the the pittsburgh and baltimore games were you know they scored three against baltimore and they scored 10 against pittsburgh the the offense was bad but in the other games it's been the defense they've they, they lack talent that linebacker has been a a black hole in this organization for five or six years uh they they went into this offseason saying that, that knowing that they had huge holes at offensive line and linebacker, and they decided they couldn't fix them both in one offseason, so they were only going to do one, and they they went linebacker. They they signed Josh Bynes in free agency, and they used three of their seven draft picks on linebackers. Um, those guys, the, the, the third-round pick, Logan Wilson, the fourth-round pick, Akeem Davis-Gaither, are are getting better, especially Wilson, and it's, it's not the hole that it's been, but they – they still for they they'll go an entire game where they're playing really well keeping everything in front of them and then there's that one or two miscommunications where the other team will hit them for a big play and it's kind of a a defense that's predicated on making the other team keeping everything in front of them making the other team go on long drive long sustained drives to get points and other teams have been able to do that, and then when they hit you for big plays, then that's really the killer. And what's what's really something to watch is the end-of-half and end-of-game situations. This defense has been horrible, and it, it's it's been that way since Marvin Lewis was here. I've been tracking this stat that they've given up points in the final two minutes of the first half in 37 of the last 56 games. It's It's just – Every time they, well, they'll go down and score and you're thinking, okay, you, you got some momentum going to halftime. And then the defense just turns around and, and gives it right back up. It's, it's, I don't know if it's situational awareness or, or what it is, but it, it happens over and over and over again. And it's, it's that that's one of the big things that, that they need to, to fix. It's, it's one of the things that defensive coordinator Lou Anaruma brings up all the time in his press conferences with us w- without even being asked. He's just frustrated with the way they'll, they'll have a great first half and then all of a sudden give up a drive at the end of the game. And they did that in Philadelphia at the end of the half. 
and they did it at the end of the game to force overtime. There's no reason they should have lost that game against the Eagles other than those two drives. So that, that'll be something to watch on Sunday if, if Alex and that Washington offense can, can punch in some points in the final two minutes of the first half. Couple more for you here, Jay. Before we let you go, I really appreciate the time today. Uh, that this Washington offense doesn't have a whole lot to be excited about. Uh, we do have uh, a great receiver who will be tasked with stopping Terry McLaurin this week. Or I had assumed it was Mackenzie Alexander before he said he was hurt. Uh, do they do that by committee, or will they have somebody following him? Um, they will not follow. They they play sides, so it'll be up to to Washington who they want to get on him. Um, it, they have in the past done a little traveling. Uh, will Jackson is by far their their top corner. He was their their first round pick in 2016. He's on the fifth year club option right now. He's playing for a new contract and playing like it. Um, He's he's really had a good bounce back year. He was not good last year, um, but he's he's playing much better this year. He's tackling better. Um, I don't know. I haven't looked yet. How much does Terry line up in the slot? Yeah, they've moved they've moved him around a lot more this year. They've put him some into the slot. Last year, mostly always outside, but they've done a much better job this year, which was a big point during the offseason of trying to find more ways to move him around and get the ball in his Yeah, because if, if he's on Will's side, Will will be on him. That's where it's concerning because last week it was Darius Phillips was the other starting corner. He's out with the knee injury. Um, LaShawn Sims went out with a concussion. And then they had Tony Brown, um, who was making his fourth career start. They signed him off waivers from, from Green Bay last year. Um, not really a starting caliber outside corner. And he, he was the one. And then Mackenzie Alexander suffered the concussion in the Pittsburgh game. We don't know if he's going to be able to go this week, but they they replaced him with a guy that I had to look up. When did they even sign this guy? <laughs> they, they signed him to the practice squad October 27th. They promoted him to the active roster the day before the game, and he's out there uh, playing the slot corner against the Steelers. So there, it is – Terry McLaurin should be set up to have a pretty good game unless the Bengals do go against trend and, and have Will Jackson follow him around. I was a huge Jesse Bates guy coming out of college. Is he the starter back there at safety and how oh, has he yeah. looked? Terrific. I mean, he's playing at an all pro level. He's taken it to a, yeah. another level this yeah. year. Um, he came in as a second round pick, just with this, this kind of quiet confidence. And, and you could just tell that, you know, this, this guy's going to be something. And he had a, a good rookie year. Um, he, he was, he was good last year, but he's really taken it to another level. I mean, he's, he's tack. He's, he has had some missed tackles, but he's, he is tackling much better for a free safety. And he's really kind of found himself in that single high role where he he's he's sideline to sideline. There there have been a number of of plays where the the receiver has beat the corner, and he has come flying from the middle of the field to either intercept or knock the ball away right at the last second. Um, he he is he is the star on that defense right now, and I, I think it'd be it'd be amazing if he doesn't make the pro bowl. I don't know if he'll make all pro this year, just because, you know, it's the name recognition isn't there, but he is certainly playing at that level. Yep. What uh, Jay, what you guys got coming up this, uh, this weekend in the athletic? 
Uh, well, we'll have our, our game preview. Um, I, I do a thing every week if people want to look for it. It's called the cheat sheet, and I, I go through all the, the next-gen stats for the Bengals and the opponents and kind of break it down, you know, running backs versus linebackers, receivers versus cover guys, O-line versus D-line, that type of thing. Um, we're we're going to be talking to Joe Burrow today to see where he's at. He suffered a, uh ankle injury in that um, – Game against the Steelers got a little shove from Bud Dupree about five yards out of bounds. Didn't look like much, but he was running full speed, and it sent him careening into a, a medical cart and the bench, and uh, his his ankle was a little sore. So we'll, we'll have an update on him, and um, we're, we're going to have uh, who knows what else right now. A lot of the, the plan is still in place until after we can talk to – the Bengals do all of their – uh, Wednesday, their big day of interviews and press conferences in the afternoon. So we'll, we'll have more to report after we can talk to those guys today. Excellent stuff. Jay, thank you so much. Jay Morrison from The Athletic, everybody.